Welcome, everyone. Welcome to New Beginnings Church um, midweek service. I'm so glad that you can join us tonight. And um, I want to start this off uh, with a scripture that I believe is going to kind of set the stage for, for the teaching that I have for tonight. Um, it's Psalm 61, starting in verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle, or we could say today, I will abide in your presence forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And then it says Selah. Now, if you've ever studied the book of Psalms, any of the Psalms, you'll see that term frequently written either at, the, at, at some part within that psalm. And it, it really, what it means for us, it's actually an instruction. It, it means, now, now just stop here for a moment and let this settle in. Let what settle in? We hear the cry of the person who wrote this psalm. We hear the frustration. We hear the desperation. We hear the, a troubled soul. And basically this individual is declaring that he believes with all of his heart that when he cries out to God, that God hears him. He believes that when his heart is overwhelmed, that he's going to be led to something stronger than himself. Verse 2 says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Then he goes on to declare, for you have been my shelter, a strong tower from the enemy. Every one of us needs a strong tower, a place of refuge for us to run into, especially during times that we have right now. We know that the Bible also teaches us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that we can run to that place and take refuge in the name of Jesus. So at this season that we're in right now, season of upheaval, uh, uncertainty, we're all trying to figure out how to position ourselves for what could possibly be a new normal for us from this point forward. You know, during times like this, we have the tendency to want to go into default. We don't even realize it sometimes, uh, especially during this quarantine time. You know, we, we're all vulnerable to uh, the possibility of putting on at least 10 pounds before this whole thing is over with. Uh, because in times like this, we crave comfort. We crave familiarity. We want safety. We want something that's, that, that speaks of normalcy. And so, you know, we see everybody on Facebook uh, posting their quarantine meals. Uh, people baking, people uh, cooking that, that hardly ever cooked before. And, you know, you're making it worse for all of us because you're taking all your little pictures and putting it online. So then all of us have to deal with the ideas, well, maybe I would have done it this way or maybe I should try that tomorrow night for dinner. You know, we've even coined a new phrase now, quarantine snacks. And so uh, if we're not careful, uh, we, can, uh, we can get caught up in all this search for comfort. You know, we, we lean toward getting out of control while we seek to regain control. We want refuge, and what we really need is balance. And so um, we need to be aware that when everything is out of control, there's two things that people have the tendency to do. Either we go into escape mode or we want to hide. The truth of the matter is what we need to do is hide ourselves and our Savior and let him bring balance to our lives. A life that is well-balanced is a life that is filled with appreciation for the Lord Jesus, for what he's done, and for more importantly, 
for the fact that he wants to take the stress, he wants to take the worry off of us. And you can never teach too much about this stuff because I don't know how your life is, but I know for me, my family, our staff members, people that we're all close to, there's not a day that goes by that we don't have something else that we're dealing with, whether it's in our lives or whether it's in the life of one of our staff members or whether it's in the life of one of the members of this church or, or even people from, from outside that are now discovering Christ and discovering a relationship with him. And so there's always stuff going on. There's always somebody going to the hospital or someone having financial problems or someone having health issues or marital issues or family issues or any kind of issues. And some people are so used to having issues that when they don't have issues, that's an issue because there's no issues. Because we're, so, we're becoming so acclimated to living in a crisis mode. Now, I want to bring you a scripture that Jesus, um, we have recorded for us in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, the words of Jesus to the disciples. It starts in verse 28. I think it's very appropriate for the time that we're in right now. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, he said, upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that, that last phrase there, you will find rest for your souls. I don't know how many of us are sleeping really, really restful at night. Uh, we're believing God. We're doing everything we can. Thank God. You know, he's the promises he's made to us, and he gives his beloved sweet sleep. We hold on to those things. But we need rest for our souls. And you see, when you come into something new, when you come into a new season that we're not really sure what normalcy is going to look like, it has a tendency to destabilize us. Now, I want to go over this scripture again, and I want to point some things out to you. Uh, let me go to verse 29. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. So it's something that we have to receive and learn from me which is a choice that we make to learn from him. We could choose not to learn from him, or we could choose to learn from him. We could choose to let him be an example to us, or we can choose to just keep doing things our own way, becoming frustrated and destabilized. He invites us to come allow him to put a yoke on us. Now, I doubt very much if any of us, any of us that are watching this right now have oxen or cows or mules. Or, but we're, we're talking about a different time in the history of, uh, of man, different people, different culture. Now, they understood what he meant. When, when they heard him say, uh, take my yoke upon you, they understood the picture. Now, if you were a smart farmer, agriculturalist, you would, you would take a very seasoned animal, a seasoned ox, one that was used to plowing, one that was used to the master's voice, one with, that was used to even the body language of the master. And what you would do was you would take a, a newer, younger ox that was not yet trained and not yet been broken, if you put it that way. And what you would do is team up that younger ox with the older, more mature, more um, experienced ox. And you put the two of them together and, and they're joined together by the, a wooden yoke so that the two of them have to work together. They must cooperate together if they're going to accomplish something. And that's the picture that Jesus is giving us of what it is to join up with him, to cooperate with him, to allow him to take us on this journey of life. So, so stability requires us to be anchored to an immovable object, one that is not moved by storms uh, or the storms or the earthquakes of life, 
And so the message tonight is this. Don't go it alone. Too many of us have an independent attitude. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers. You know, it's wonderful uh, living in this, in this country. We, this, I still believe this is the greatest country on the earth. I believe it's probably the greatest country in all of the history of mankind. But we have one flaw. Our, our, ba- our foundation of this nation was built upon independence. And that independence is, is ingrained in us to a fault. See, see, we have this attitude of if, if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm successful, then I got to do it on my own. And I got to make my own way. And don't tell me how to do things. I'm going to do it myself. And so that independence sometimes slips into our relationship with God. And so, so without even realizing it, we're, we automatically launch into everything in our life on our own. And we don't need to do that. Because Jesus has offered to us the opportunity to come alongside him, to train with him, to have his traits become our traits, for us to be able to, you know, the more time you spend with him, the more you start thinking like him, the more you start talking like him, the more you start acting like him. And we need that right now. We, we, we need, we don't need to be working independent of God. We need to be working in a cooperative relationship with him. We need stability in our lives. We need a rock solidness in our life. Forget about what's going on around us. It changes on a daily basis. Most of us are spending our lives at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. We're watching uh, this press conference at 6 o'clock at night. We're watching another press conference. And so our moods our, our, the whole atmosphere in our homes, the, the decisions that we make are, are starting to become so tied to, well, the governor said this, and the president said this, and this doctor said this, and that other doctor said, and, and it's driving everybody crazy. Listen to Psalm 18, starting in verse 2. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I hear stability in that scripture. We find comfort in the fact that we can call out to him in an emergency or when we face difficult times in life. However, what about the day-in and day-out routine of life? Because that's now becoming a settled thing. Most of you in your homes have developed routines and patterns Some of you may be sleeping in because you don't really need to go anywhere. Some of you, your homes have turned into uh, daycare centers, uh, elementary schools. Um, If we were to come to your house, your dining room table is probably full of school materials, crafts, all these things. So now that's becoming the normal. So so what about in that daily routine now? You know, just recently I posted on Facebook and I asked people to comment on these two questions. What is your biggest concern right now? And what do you find yourself praying about the most in this season? I have to say, I wasn't too shocked. I was shocked with how fast the comments just were rolling in one after the other faster than I can keep track of them. And so at one point, after about an hour or so, I just deleted it. said, thank you, i got enough input here. I was asking those questions because I wanted to include the answers. 
in this, in this message. The great majority listed their concerns in this order. Number one, health, which should not surprise us. Number two, finances, because that's the very next thing that's been affected in our society right now in a very dramatic way. Number three was family. And honestly, I would venture to say that's probably across the board in every household right now all over the United States and in many parts of our world. This whole crisis is a health issue. It has indirectly affected our finances. But when you have health issues and you have uncertain finances, the two of those affect the family. Marriages are affected. Relationships are affected. Children are affected. All three of these are concerns in our everyday lives. But these are routine concerns. The daily day in and day out areas of concern, these are things that occupy most of our thinking process. Now listen to what I'm gonna say. There is no need for you to go, to go through this alone. There is no need for you to suffer through your health concerns. Whether they're actual real and, and you're actually having health issues right now, or if it's just an overwhelming concern and anxiety that you've got yourself convinced that at one point or another you're probably going to get this virus, I tell you to resist those thoughts right now in the name of Jesus. Do not roll over and play dead. But what I want to talk to you tonight about, you don't have to go it alone. These are areas that most likely we try to handle on our own strength. We worry about our health. We listen to every report. We're watching everybody's videos because when they send us a video, they tell you, you better watch it now because it's probably going to get taken down. Every quack in the world has an opinion right now of how to safeguard our health. But we rarely ask the Holy Spirit for his help. We're throwing down supplements by the handful. We're stocking up on all the newest superfoods. But we rarely ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how to stay healthy. We don't have to go it alone. Some of us stay up at night crying, scheming how to make ends meet because our finances have been devastated. And usually we leave it as a last resort to go and pray. And I believe the Spirit of God wants us to know tonight, you don't have to go it alone. We worry about our families because of how they're affected by a health issue or how they might be affected by a lack of finances, or maybe just a temporary hold on finances. How about instead of worrying about our families? Because what ends up happening is we don't only worry about our families. Uh, we'll pray for them. But then what we try to do is take matters into our own hands and either manipulate things in our families or try to control things in our families. And that rarely works. How about instead we start asking for the Holy Spirit's help? Again, I say to you, don't go it alone. Now, all throughout the Word of God, we see individuals who knew how to shout out to God in a crisis, but they missed him in the everyday decision-making. And I would venture to say that's pretty much kind of sums it up for all of us. Major crisis comes to your household. You rise up and you start praying. You start getting into the Word. You find scriptures. You're getting one or two people to join you and pray in agreement against whatever's challenging or what's coming against your life. But then what happens in the everyday routine things? 
we forget to pray. We assume, okay, we got this. This isn't a big deal. Some of us foolishly even entertain the thought, you know, I don't want to bother God. He's busy with big problems. And that's where we mess up. It's in the everyday little decisions that we forget to involve the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to take you to an incident in the Old Testament. I believe it's an excellent example of this. I need you to follow me because I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. It's about Joshua. Joshua was a young man when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He personally saw the Red Sea split. He saw God mightily deliver uh, the nation of Israel from the armies of Pharaoh. He was there when the Red Sea collapsed over Pharaoh and his army. He saw God provide for them and defend them many times throughout the 40 years of wandering. Then Moses died, and Joshua was in charge. It's his responsibility now to bring the people of Israel into the promised land. And so um, he has seen God answer prayer over and over again, one crisis after another. And sometimes we can get so crisis-oriented, and this is, what I'm, this is why I'm bringing this message tonight, because in the season that we're in, from day to day, there are many of us that are going from one crisis to the next. And so it's easy to be so crisis-oriented that you, we forget that God wants to be God in the everyday life. So let me read to you from Joshua chapter 9. They, they have crossed the Jordan. They have already conquered Jericho. Crisis of getting across the Jordan is over. The crisis of getting past Jericho, conquering Jericho, walls flattening is over. They're starting to settle in now on the everyday normal routine of possessing the promised land. They've already conquered a few different areas by the time we come to Joshua chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 3. But when the, the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, uh, another city after Jericho, they worked craftily, these are the people of Gibeon, and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. They they came up with a disguise. They came up with some form of trickery. And verse 6 says, And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him, to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Now they knew that it was God's plan for Joshua and for the people of Israel to take over the promised land. They had heard what happened to Jericho. They heard that these people can't be defeated because their God is with them. And so they tried to make a deal to spare their lives. And so they came to Joshua Gilgal and they said to him, we've come from a far country now, therefore make a covenant with us. Make a deal with us so that you won't destroy us. Verse 7, the men of Israel said to the Hivites, which are the people from Gibeon, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? In other words, maybe you live next door to us and we're supposed to get your property. And if we make a covenant with you, we're going to be in trouble. But they said to Joshua, remember, they're, they're, they're tricksters. We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come. Because of the name of the Lord your God, we have heard of his fame 
and all that he did in Egypt. Now they're talking about something that took place over 40 years previous to this. They're still talking about what God did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who was Asherah. In other words, we've heard about you guys. We know what you're capable of. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, take provisions with you for the journey and go meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which we filled were new, and see, they are torn. And these are our garments and our sandals have become old because of a very long journey. <laughs> what a bunch of tricksters. Verse 14 says, Then the men of Israel took some of the provision. Now watch this. Here's where they made the mistake in their everyday, day in and day out routine. They did not recognize that they were putting themselves in jeopardy. They did not stop to pray. They did not consult God. They did not ask him for any help. They looked at the natural. They looked at the bread. They looked at their clothing. Verse 14 says, The men of Israel took some of the provisions, but did not ask counsel of the Lord. They did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them. To Joshua, this is enough proof. We're good. And made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. So not one of them among them said, you know what, why don't we pray? Why don't we stop? Well, let's take a time out here. Something's fishy about this. Not one of them. They were so used to running to God in crisis that they forgot to go to God and acknowledge him in all their ways. So they made peace with them. They made covenant with them. The one thing you have to understand about a covenant, when a covenant is made, it cannot be broken. A covenant is not like a contract. A covenant has, it's a contract with spiritual implications. Verse 16 says, then it happened at the end of three days after they made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Now they've got a problem. Because you see, according to God's command, the property of these Gibeonites belonged to Israel. But now Israel has made a deal with the devil. And so Israel must forfeit that part of their promised land. They cannot move these people out. They cannot take their land. I'm sure that Joshua wished that verse 14 could be rewritten. Verse 14 says that they looked at the provision but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. At a time when it was critical for Joshua to pray and seek God, he and his leaders with him decided they would rely on natural evidence rather than get God's wisdom. The sad fact is that when you and I make decisions without consulting the Lord, even the small everyday decisions, without praying, without hearing from God, we are stuck with the consequences of those decisions. Don't go it alone, especially in this season. They only relied on their natural senses. And they made a decision. Maybe it was possible that they had gotten um, kind of blinded by all their success. You know, that can happen sometimes. But the fact of the matter is that God held them to their decision. Because there's certain times that God's not going to let you out. Even if you repent, you repent, you're sorry. He'll give you the grace 
But most of the time, you're going to go through it. You're going, to, you're going to endure the consequences of the decision that you made without consulting the Lord. And I know that some of you watching this right now are going, oh, my God, I wish I had heard this last year or two months ago or whatever. You know, there's nothing worse than we make a decision to do something without consulting God. And sometimes when, when it's not that we're evil or we just, we don't think of it. We don't stop to say, uh, let, me, let me just hear from the Holy Spirit about this. And then we have to live the rest of our lives. Depending on the severity of the decision that we've made. I can think of plenty of decisions that I made in the past that I would have done differently now. That if I had prayed, I'm sure God would have shown me something different. So, Maybe you can write this statement down for yourself or remember it. Relying on the natural can only get us natural results. Relying on God who's more than willing to help us, to give us the knowledge and wisdom that we need. That reaps us supernatural empowerment over natural circumstances. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, read it to you from New Living Translation. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your, your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. We don't need to be unstable right now. The times are unstable. Our society is unstable. Our economy is unstable. Our, our ability to, 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 to just think straight sometimes is unstable because everything around us is unstable. Don't go it alone. You have God. Jesus is very willing for us to come to him, to be yoked to him. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of every believer is more than, 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 than willing to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to remind us of things that Jesus had spoken to us through the word. Divided loyalty means putting more confidence on natural knowledge and wisdom rather than putting confidence in God. Lack of godly priority leads to instability. Pray. Call out to God. Ask of him, inquire of him, do whatever you need in order to get God involved in your decision. It pays to wait till you hear. Proverbs chapter three, one of my, my favorite Proverbs, says this, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Say, my God, pastor, it seems like you're constantly quoting the scripture. Yeah, this is my life. I, I have a lot of responsibilities. I cannot depend on myself. I have got to at least acknowledge God in everything I'm doing so that it invites him to come in and say, no, Joe, don't do it this way. I want you to do it this way. I want you to, to do this. I want you to teach this. I want you to teach that. I cannot afford to be dependent on my own knowledge and understanding. You, as a member of this church, cannot afford for me to be dependent on my own knowledge and understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, even the little ways, even the little things, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, the Israelites became wise in their own eyes. They looked at the bread that was moldy. They looked at the sandals that were worn out. They looked at the clothing that was in tatters. And never once bothered to ask God, should we receive these people? 
It says, when we do, when we acknowledge him, we'll direct our path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. doesn't mean to be scared. It means to reverence him and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So we can say that when we live a lifestyle of never acknowledging God, always relying on our own understanding, that our path is undirected and mismanaged decisions are a result. When we think we're smart enough on our own and have no fear of God, we suffer physically as well as mentally. Is it, is it possible that we're guilty of some negligence today? Is it possible that because of some of us not listening to the Holy Spirit who was trying to prepare us for the season that was coming, that other than the Holy Spirit, we couldn't have foreseen this? Is it possible that some of us are suffering from instability today because we've had a pattern for the longest time of not consulting the Lord, of not praying, of not spending time with him? And I don't say this, I'm not bringing this up tonight to bring any guilt or condemnation, but to raise a level of awareness. The fact is there are some of us that are, that are living right now based on this wrong decisions that we made in the past. And prayerlessness proves that God isn't first in our life. We don't need to do this alone. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say this, that God demands to be number one in our life for our own good. It's not because he has an ego issue, an ego problem. He knows that when he's first in, in your life and my life, that our life stabilizes. Failure to spend regular time with him in prayer is failure to depend on him for wisdom. And we, and we end up relying on our own perception of things and we make mistakes. However, if we are praying regularly, that kind of proves that we're at least attempting to put him first in our lives. Let's commit ourselves to spending time on a daily basis with God in prayer. Many, many, many people have a lot more time in their hands now than they've had in the past. Let's commit to a personal working relationship with God who created the universe what does it mean? What does it mean to, to live in the kingdom of God? It means that you make God's agenda your agenda. You make God's will your will. You care about what God cares about, what he cares about. And whatever, makes, whatever blesses him, whatever pleases him, that's what we want to do. That's stability in our lives. If you only run to God when there's a crisis you're going to miss out on God being involved in the daily decisions that possibly could avoid a crisis in your life. And prayer should never be a last resort in our lives. It should be the first choice. Put God first in your daily lineup of responsibilities. I just want to point something interesting out to you. I don't know if you've ever considered this or not. But when, when I considered this, all of a sudden I was like, wow, even the little things like this, you know, the first temple that was built, the second temple that was built, both faced the east. You say, well, what's that? What is that? Why is that a big deal? Well, when something faces the east, then it's the first thing for the light of morning to hit. It's the first, that is your first, when you look to the east early in the morning, that's where the sun rises. So, so the temple itself was aimed towards and speaks to us and demonstrates to us the need for us to start the day off first thing in the morning with God. We need to get the first light from him. He needs to be that first light that enters our heart, the first thoughts that come into our mind, 
the first pictures that hit our eyes. Our, our, our lives need to be Eastern-oriented, looking to that, that first speck of light in the morning, understanding that he is light, and he is the light of men. When we fail to consult God in our everyday matters, we forfeit the peace that comes along with it. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm sure you've heard this before, I taught on it recently. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. First thing, not last, not after we've tried to do everything on our own. First thing, and verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because our decisions start here. We confirm them here. And so if my heart is being guarded and stabilized by the presence of God and my focus on God, then my mind is going to lean in that same direction and I'm going to make less bad decisions and more godly decisions. Let's commit tonight that we're going to walk out Proverbs chapter 3 and make it a lifestyle. Let's pray. Pray with me right where you are right now. Father, beginning this day, I commit to trust in you with all my heart. I will not rely on my own understanding. And everything that I do, I'm going to acknowledge you. So, Father, that you may be free to direct my path. I resist being wise in my own eyes. I will reverence you. I will honor you. I will respect you, Father. I will depart from evil and live as one having right standing with you. Father, forgive us for not including you in the decisions that we made in the past, and forgive us for neglecting your wisdom. I receive your mercy for the past, and by faith I take hold of your grace for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I pray that you stay connected with us on a regular basis. I pray that you make sure that on the weekends you, you get online, you watch our, our services online. But just as importantly, Please share these messages. There are people in your own family. There are people on your jobs, your coworkers. There, there are friends that, that are right now, they're, they're suffering in their hearts and their souls. They're worried. They're anxious. They're, they're afraid. They're concerned for their children, concerned for their future. Why don't you take this opportunity to share some hope with them? Share this message. Share all of our messages on YouTube. Pray and ask the Lord to show you who you should send what message to. They'll thank you for it. And again, one more time, I just want to say thank you so much, all of you who are giving consistently, bringing your tithes, your offerings uh, online, giving online. Uh, you can just go to our website and click on the giving page there, newbeginningsnj.org. Go right to the giving page, click on there. It's safe, it's secure. Or if you feel like you, you don't want to do that, you, want to, you can drop it off at the, at the church office. There's, there's a mailbox outside. You can put your offering in there, your tithes. You can mail it to us, whatever is easiest for you. I just want to say thank you as a pastor of this church. Thank you for your faithful, consistent support. You're making our lives so much easier, not having to have the stress of financial concern and financial problems. You're enabling us to continue to bring this gospel of God's grace to as many people as possible. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. We love you. We look forward to being back together again soon. In the meantime, don't go it alone. Let the Holy Spirit help you. God bless you.